Welcome to worship with us here at Fishkill Baptist here in the Hudson Valley. Uh, we rejoice that we can give thanks and praise to our God and worship. Today is the last Sunday of May. We are all sad that we cannot meet together as usual and see one another, but such is reality for now. We in church leadership are thinking about protocols toward reopening in-person meetings for small groups. We are planning a parking lot meeting, Lord willing, next Sunday. You'll get um, instructions and an invitation about that. We are committed to everyone's health and safety as we proceed. The Lord will lead us through this. Uh, this virus, this pandemic has not caught him by surprise. He is with us and he will guide us and he will keep us. Pray for us as we seek to faithfully lead God's church in the days and weeks ahead. Let's open our Bibles now this morning to Mark 2, the text for our study this morning. We're going to be in Mark 2, uh, beginning at verse 13. And um, we're going to give careful attention to the text. Mark 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw this, uh, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, as long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Let's bow together in prayer and ask the Lord's blessing. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, your love, and your grace. We thank you for inspiring Mark to give his record of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we're thankful that we can open the Word of God this morning and pray for the illumination and help and guidance of the Spirit. 
Enable us, Lord, to be not only hearers, but doers of the word of God, obedient and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. We must be sure that our attitudes uh, toward relationships and our way of doing things in church do not put us in conflict with God himself. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me share this story about what happened several years ago at a large evangelical church in New England. Street people, hippies, counterculture youth started coming to church on Sunday evenings. Sunday evening attendance started approaching Sunday morning attendance. Something was happening. These young people wanted to learn about Jesus. Young men and young women were flocking to the church. But church leaders went to the pastor and said, Pastor, we don't want that kind in our church. So, as a result, the church ministry to these young people was ended, was stopped. Now, the man who reported these things to us in a pastor's meeting concluded by saying that church went into a decade of decline after that. We have a lot to learn from the Lord Jesus, and this passage this morning instructs us. Now, remember the story or the context to this point. To this point, Mark has told us about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. His message was, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. He took his message to the villages and the towns of Galilee. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, he said. The authority of his teaching and the power, his power to heal, led to overwhelming crowds following him. He could not, he could not even enter a town openly. And that is how chapter 1 concludes. Now, the rabbis taught only God can heal a leper. And Jesus had healed a leper with a touch. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus had forgiven sin. And then, to prove his authority to do so, he had healed a man. As his account continues, Mark records the growing conflict, the growing tension between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. Jesus did not meet their expectations. He did not fit into their categories. Jesus did not fit in their religion. Conflict was inevitable. They needed to learn Christ and his kingdom cannot be contained in the confines of religious traditionalism. And we must learn the same. Walking along the lakeshore, Jesus was teaching, and as usual, there was a large crowd. Jesus saw Levi and called him to follow him. Now, Levi is also called Matthew. Matthew Levi was a tax collector. He was collecting taxes on trade in Galilee. It could have been a toll booth on a trade road, or maybe he was collecting taxes on fish caught or fish shipped. It's not stated explicitly. 
But this made Matthew a hated collaborator with Rome. He was collecting taxes for the Romans. He may have taxed Peter and Andrew and James and John, who were fishermen. These men may have known Matthew, and they may have hated him. Now, keep in mind, after all, that these were small towns. Matthew have been, may have been wealthy, but if he was, he was a lonely materialist. Matthew may have heard some of Jesus' teaching as he walked along the lake. Again, Mark emphasizes the power of Jesus' call. Follow me, he said. Matthew got up, left his booth, and followed Jesus. Now, Matthew's decision to follow Christ was final. Fishermen could always go back to fishing, but Matthew could never return to collecting taxes for Rome. Leaving his post that day was a clean break for Matthew Levi. Then Levi threw a party at his house. Jesus was the guest of honor. And Jesus ate with many of Matthew's friends. And who would his friends be? His friends were other tax collectors, other social outcasts, other misfits. Notice the Pharisees called them sinners, verse 15. Now, understand, the Pharisees were uh, consecrated laymen, so eager to follow the law that they observed also the uh, oral traditions, which they uh, considered hedges about the law. They objected to Jesus fraternizing with friends of Rome and rabble from the streets. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They asked. Jesus responded with a proverb. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, there's irony here. The Pharisees consider themselves righteous, but they are not, as will become abundantly clear as the story continues. Jesus means the kingdom call is not for those who consider themselves righteous, but for those who recognize their need. For, for uh, They need a savior and they know they need forgiveness. Now, we, we should note this. Also today, there are those who think they don't need Jesus. They think they don't need uh, a Savior. They're fine without him. They don't lie or they don't steal and they try to be there for others. Uh, this may be, uh, they may be like the Pharisees, you know, religious rule keepers. They don't need to be saved. They don't need a Savior. But the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned. We're all broken. We all need Jesus. Jesus has come for all of us sinners, for you and for me. Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom call for is for those who are repentant, seeking mercy, humble before God. So we see in this passage a couple of in these two episodes, two things. First of all, conflict over relationships and also conflict over traditions. In the second, in the second episode, a second controversy erupted over fasting. 
Now, remember, the law of Moses required fasting only one day a year, on the Day of Atonement. But the Pharisees fasted twice a week on Monday and Thursday. To uh, That's how zealous they were for obedience to God. And the disciples of John apparently also practiced this discipline as well, verse 18. So the question is, why do the disciples of Jesus not fast? Now, the Jewish leaders had religious practice well established. They were trying to confine Jesus within their traditions. Come on, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast like us good religious people? Again, Jesus' answer comes in the form of a proverb. How can, how can bridal guests fast at the wedding party? A little background here. A wedding celebration in Israel might last for an entire week. It was a week of great festivity, you know, dancing and feasting and rejoicing. It might be the happiest week of a couple's entire life. So to fast at a wedding, to fast in the presence of the bridegroom, was unthinkable. Jesus adds, when the, bri when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Verse 20. Now note the passive verb, will be taken. This is the first intimation of Jesus' death. The time will come when he will be taken away, and then his disciples will fast. Jesus always lived in the shadow of what was to come, in the shadow of the cross. The cross is before him. Jesus explains further, uh, trying to put, uh, to put an, uh, a patch on an unshrunk piece of cloth uh, will only tear the garment further and make the hole worse, make the, make the damage even worse. And, and putting new wine into, new, uh, or into old wineskins will never work. New wine is still fermenting. It is active, producing gases and Old wineskins are stiff and rigid and un un unbending. So putting new wine in old skins will mean the loss of both wine and the skin. New wine needs new wineskins, which are flexible and, and bendable and breathable. This means that Jesus cannot be patched onto the old cloth of Judaism. Uh, he's bringing something new. Jesus and his kingdom are like new wine. Uh, he cannot be confined to the old wineskins, that is, to, the, to, to Jewish structures of legalism and tradition. So in this passage, Mark reports conflict between Jesus and the Jewish leaders, conflict over relationships. Why is he eating with sinners? and conflict also over traditions. Why don't his disciples fast? Conflict is developing and it is heightening. Now, let's think for a few moments about what we're learning in this passage. What uh, principles are, are here for us? First of all, Jesus was not simply thumbing his nose at religious convention. 
He was not deliberately provoking confrontation. We, we need to understand the underlying issues here. Two fundamentally opposed religious outlooks are, are involved here. One leads to life, the other one to death. First is the dynamic rule of God, the kingdom of God. And second, the rigid self-righteous religion and its traditions and rules. Several things are at work here. Let me make some observations about what this section uh, teaches us. First, sinners do not have to be good enough. Sinners do not have to do something first to become worthy of God's love. Sinners, by the way, that's all of us. That's all of us. No, they, or we, simply need to come to Jesus as Levi did. We come as we are in our need. You know, we dare not take the, uh, the, the uh, posture of self-righteous religious people, the, the Pharisees, uh, who, who hold outsiders at arm's length. Jesus did not, and we cannot. The statement, I have no non-Christian friends, is not a badge of faithfulness, but a fault to be corrected. You know, sometimes Christians may have had the same attitude as the Pharisees without, without realizing it. We sing, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. But we may have in mind only our kind of wretches. It is um, too amazing for us to think that God's grace is also extended to people who we want to regard as outcasts, people who are different from us. We learn from Jesus, welcome all people in need, for it is not the, the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. On the other hand, second, by eating with sinners, Jesus did not become a sinner. Jesus did not condone sinful lifestyles. Our having friends outside the church does not mean uh, doing what they do or endorsing all they endorse. Now, some evangelicals mislead us here. In an effort to make Christianity more appealing, more acceptable, some Christians are compromising. They're, they're giving in. They're going along. They are condoning lifestyles that God forbids. There's great cultural pressure to go along. For example, here's a large six-campus megachurch in the greater Seattle area. Let me read to you from their self-description. This is online. Quote, a not-so-secret society of average people working together for good. Life is a gift. Love is the point. LGBT affirming. Amenities include free coffee every week, safe kids' rooms, all ages, easy accessibility. Some churches are caving in to the culture. But Jesus was a friend of sinners without joining in their sin, and we must follow the Lord. We cannot conform to society, 
in defiance of our God. Third, the third principle here, Jesus is not infected by sinners, but instead he infects them with the kingdom, with God's grace and saving power. You know, Jesus did not become a tax collector to Rome, as Levi was. Instead, he made Levi a disciple of the kingdom. And that is our calling. Our calling is to love people, to to welcome people, to, to befriend them, and then welcome them to the kingdom of God. We're all needy. We're all sinners in need of Christ. It is our calling to do all we can to love others toward Jesus and his kingdom. Now, the fourth principle, we must not try to confine Jesus and his kingdom to church wineskins. You know, we can make the same mistake the Pharisees did. Uh, Religious people tend to make rules, and churches have their traditions. Now, this began early in church history. The Didache is one of the first Christian documents we have that is written after the New Testament period. It is a church manual written about A.D. 125. Uh, This is only about three decades after the conclusion of the New Testament. But already, by the time of the Didache, uh, fasting twice a week was commanded. Not on Monday and Thursday as the Jews did, but on Wednesday and Friday. So, uh, by the way, the document also instructs Christians to to recite the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And we say, what? Only, Only 30 years after the close of the New Testament, legalism is setting in uh, in the church, and and rules are coming in. They were substituting Christian traditions and Christian rules for Jewish tradition and Jewish rules. They were trying to make Christ and his kingdom fit into their rules. And it still happens today. We all could give many examples, couldn't we? As a matter of fact, I could ask you, what what, uh, man-made rule do you insist that Christ must follow? Let me tell you about a Chicago church. This is an old, great church in downtown Chicago with a great historic uh, ministry in the gospel. On one Sunday, the pastor was gone, and in his absence, the assistant pastor preached. The assistant changed the order of service and brought the word of God that morning, and it turned out to be a great service. Uh, There was a good response to the message that day. But immediately after the service, the deacons called a deacons meeting, and the assistant pastor was called into the meeting. They said to him, young man, do not change the order of service without a deacons meeting. There was no word spoken about how God had moved in this service and how God had touched people in this service. Uh, That seemed to have been forgotten. The concern was about the order of service. You know, our calling is not to try to confine Christ 
and his work to our rules, to our uh, methods, to our traditions? No. Christ's kingdom is a kingdom of joy, of life and freedom. Our task is to serve him. Christ is king. Christ the king reaches out to all people, all of us, and welcomes us to his kingdom, even you and me. The Lord Jesus is the friend of sinners. In one passage, he said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for one's friends. That's what he did for us. He is the king, and he laid down his life for us, and he invites us into the kingdom. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we are amazed and grateful at your goodness and love. We confess, Lord, that we easily slip into errors ourselves and make rules and expect everyone else to go along with our traditions or our methods or our expectations and pray for your grace and help for us. Help us to hear the Lord Jesus. Help us to have his heart, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the friend of sinners like, like me and like all of us. We're grateful for your grace. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we dedicate ourselves to your honor and your glory. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Through Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.